You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13. We're going to start this week the first of two sermons on humility. Humility. And if you can see the, the, the background of that word just in a, a, a shaded way is the is Jesus washing feet. And I'm going to talk to you about that in this passage in John chapter 13. Uh, so I, I, I'm so excited. I believe this is one of my favorite passages in all of the Word of God. It is in the Gospel of John, and it's in chapter 13. It's about the first 17 verses or so that we're going to cover in two weeks. And this is an amazing passage. Because, first of all, this is what is called the upper room discourse. At this point in the Gospel of John, there is going to be no more healings. There will be no more crowds. There is going to be no more feedings of thousands of people. This is a moment in time, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, five chapters that John shares in his Gospel the words of Jesus. As he shares his final marching orders for his disciples. It's a powerful passage. In fact, the expectation would probably be, what what would we hear? What would we expect to hear if somebody was giving their final words? Because in 24 hours, Jesus will be in the tomb. 24 hours. I mean, the next, just the next day. I mean, I would expect Jesus maybe to do one final, amazing, incredible, mind-blowing miracle. I mean, just display something that is just so incredible. We're get, all right, guys, we're, we're here together in this room. I've done a lot of miracles. I'm going to do one more. Maybe. Maybe we might see Christ give some sort of a talk that would just be so inspirational and motivational and get everybody up on a high. I, I, I would expect that would be, that'd be cool. Be something that I might expect or guess if I was guessing. But instead, he washes his disciples' feet. And all God's people said, really? So he's going to be in the tomb in 24 hours and he starts off this final chalk talk with, Washing dirty, grimy, filthy feet. Yes. This morning, I want to talk to you about humility. And I'm going to ask God to use this message. I think it's timely. I think it's part of God's sovereign plan for our church. I think there's a lot of things about this message that have been on my heart for weeks, maybe months. I don't want to exaggerate, but even maybe a year. I mean, I've been so, this has seeped out in counseling. It is, it is, it has come out of me in, in, in talking to couples about their marriage and talking to parents about their children, children about their parents and talking to people about their jobs, humility. So let's dive in together. We're going to start this week. I'm going to give you nine thoughts about humbling yourself, five this week, four Next week, number one, as we look into this passage, let me give you the first thought. When it is hardest to love, 
humble yourself. Look with me at this first part of John chapter 13 and verse 1 where it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. It's an amazing statement there because he's going to say it three times in this discourse. That my hour has come. Previous to this, in John's writings, we would hear things in another gospel such as Jesus speaking and he would say this, my hour is not yet come. He would say that often. My hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. But now, in this moment, he knows that his hour has come. In 24 hours, he'll be in that tomb. The cross was close. The agony, the scourging, the crucifixion, the mockery. Bearing the weight of the sin of mankind was right around the corner. I don't know about you, but knowing all of that right now, I'm thinking, why don't one of the disciples jump up and say, Jesus, what can we do for you? How can we serve you? You've been so good to us. You've done so much for us. How can we help you, Jesus? But, but none of that takes place. Instead, he washes their feet. A little bit about foot washing. It's kind of something you have to understand somewhat culturally. Roads were very dirty. Makes sense, right? I mean, their feet were, were, because they walked everywhere, their feet would have been very dirty as well. And, you know, if, if I was coming over to your house for dinner and, and I looked at you and said, hey, where's your restroom? And you would point where it was and I would say, hey, I'll be right back. I'm just going to wash my, what? My hands. It would be a shocker to you. But if I were to walk in your house and say, hey, you mind if I jump on your counter and put my feet in your sink? <laughs> you might be like, whoa, dude, what's, what's up with this dude? You know, it's, it's kind of strange. Well, it would be strange, but not back then. Back then it would have been normal that you would have walked into a home. There would have been a servant, maybe paid, let's just say, minimum wage. Or a slave that would have been owned by, you know, the person who owned that house. And that... Would it, that person would have been standing at the door and you walk in, very common that you would get your feet washed. If you walked into your own home and didn't have a servant or slave, you would wash your own feet. There would be a little basin of water there and a towel and you would, you would wash your feet. This would have been culturally acceptable, but, but I want you to know this morning that there is more to John chapter 13, verse 1 than what we read. So let's read the entire verse together now. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world. He, he doesn't even take time to think about himself. Think about that. He, he doesn't say, Jesus came to the hour when he would be crucified, when he would be scourged, when he would receive a crown of thorns. He doesn't say any of that. He just simply says, my hour is coming and I'm about to go back home. I'm about to depart out of this world. And then he says, having loved his own who were in the world, pay close attention, all capitalized on the screen, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. He said, I'm not going to stop loving you now when it's tough, when it's hard. I'm not going to stop loving you now. Number one, when it's hardest to love, humble yourself. Notice Jesus didn't say at this moment, really guys? Really? So, you know, you're going to make me wash your feet. I mean, come on. If anybody's foot should be washed, it should be mine. He didn't say that because he's never selfish. He's never self-centered. 
This is the perfect sinless son of God who is our example. He is going to wash their feet. This is incredible. It's an act of humility. And so lesson number one is when it is hardest to love. Humble yourself. A little bit about the word humility versus humble yourself. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the words be humble. Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible does it say be humble. Because humility is not an act thing. Humility is not a feel thing. Humility is a do thing. It's kind of like exercise. You know, if someone said, you know, you know, I, the other day I was just having some wonderful exercise thoughts. I was just really feeling like I was being exercised in my mind. It was amazing just to kind of meditate on exercise. How many of you have ever thought about exercising but never got around to it? Amen? That's probably a lot of us, including myself. Because exercise is not a feel thing, it's a do thing. Help. Help is not a feel thing. If I were to pull up into my garage or my driveway with with a ton of groceries and here I grab those groceries and start walking them up the driveway to the house and you're my neighbor, you see me and you're like watching me take all this, looking at me, go back and forth. Oh, I just feel so helpful. I mean, I'm just really feeling the vibes of helpfulness. No, go grab a bag. Amen. Because help is not a feel thing. Help is a do thing. And this, my friends, is the example of Christ. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to be humble. We are told to humble ourselves. Make a move. Do something. Just do it. At work. Maybe you get passed over. You know, you, 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 you put in the work, you, 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 you sold the job, or you did the most uh, to accomplish, but you got passed over. You got looked over for someone else. Humble yourself. Maybe something's been stolen from you. You, you just got used, and somebody took something from you and didn't return it, or, or took something. Humble yourself. Maybe you're under the weight of a deep disappointment this morning. Something has taken place in your life. And maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe it was someone else. And you're struggling with this. Or maybe it is your fault. But there's something going on in your life this morning. Identify what that could be if you're disappointed. And you're going through a difficult season. When it's hardest to love. Humble yourself. Because a bad time for me is a good time to be humble. A bad time for me is a good time to be humble. How many in this audience would agree that Jesus was having a hard time here? I mean, come on, 24 hours, he's going to be in the tomb. He's this close to the cross. And we described the cross a couple of weeks ago. He's this close to all that we talked about when we talked about the cross. And what is Jesus doing? 
washing their feet. Because when it's hardest to love, the example of Christ is to humble yourself. Number two, when it's personal and when it's painful, humble yourself. Look at verse number two in our text. It says, during supper. Just for a moment, we're going to stop and just identify something. That word during leads us to understand that they had been sitting there for a while. I mean, this wasn't something that happened right when they walked in the door. So we can kind of surmise that very possibly there was no servant in that room. There was no slave in that room. Maybe Jesus uh, made sure of that. I, I don't know. But I do know that they had walked in. Their feet were dirty. And back then, custom again would have been that you wouldn't put your dirty feet anywhere near the food. And this was during supper. So they're eating some matzah. Maybe they're eating some fish, right? We had a meal when we went to Israel, much like they would have eaten back then in their homes. It was awesome. And they would have been sitting there. And a a lot of the art that you see when you look at the picture of the disciples in the upper room sitting around a table would, would be, they would have their arms on the table and their feet would be extended out. Again, they're dirty. And they would have been waiting for someone to wash their feet. In this moment, the Bible says when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. When it's personal and painful, humble yourself. There's nothing more perverse than betrayal. There is nothing more perverse than that. There, there is nothing more painful than betrayal. There is nothing more personal than betrayal. Pull up into your driveway, strange car in the, in the driveway. Your spouse didn't know you were going to be there. You walk in the front door, up the stairs, to the bedroom, open the door. Betrayal. You walk through the kitchen. You pick up your husband's cell phone. Betrayal. Maybe you go to work one day and you just showed up. You you weren't supposed to be there that day. They're having a company meeting. You weren't invited. You're kind of confused. You go to your office store. A few minutes later, there's something slipped under the door and it's a notification that you've been let go. Betrayal. But when it's personal and when it's painful, humble yourself. When you feel most righteous in your indignation, when you feel most elevated in your rightness, humble yourself. How many of you would have been okay with Judas being kicked out of that room right away? Oh yeah. Quit being spiritual on me. I'm in that room. I mean, somebody's betrayed Jesus. I mean, he's 24 hours away from the tomb, from the crucifixion and and the tomb. You better believe, hey, Judas, get out of here, dude. You're a phony. You're a fake. No, no, no. Judas got his feet washed with the rest of them. Judas received the humility and love of God with all the rest of them. Because when it's personal and when it's painful, humble yourself. Let me borrow a couple of guys to help me illustrate something. 
Darian and Jerry, would you guys jump up here quickly on the platform with me? And I want to illustrate something because the next thing in your notes is five ways to get out of a pinch. You know, life sometimes puts you in a pinch. Anybody ever been there? I'm there all the time. I mean, this is life. Such is life. You get in these moments, Darian right here, Jerry right here, guys, and, ooh, man, this, is, this could hurt. Don't, don't hurt me. All right, lean in pretty heavy, all right? Pinch me. See, this is how life is sometimes, right? And so I'm going to give you five things. Number one, sometimes to get out of a pinch, the thing we do is this. Come on, man. Get off away from me, man. Come on. What's wrong with you? I appreciate that. We fight. A lot of husbands and wives, things get a little tough. We just fight. Friends, we fight. Church members, sometimes we just decide, you know what? We fight. I'm going to get out of this. I'll fight. All right, back in, lean in, guys. Next thing we do sometimes, it gets a little tight and things get tough and I'm not comfortable, so I just flee. I'm out of here. I'm going to another church. I'm getting out of this marriage. I'll just get me another job. I'm just going to run. But maybe the problem is I just need to look in the mirror at the real problem and not run from it. Third thing that happens when I get in a pinch and things get tough is sometimes, I mean, it's just easier just to sort of flounder and just sort of give up. Nah, it's not worth it anyway. I'm no good. I'll just give up. Other times when I get in a pinch, I feel myself just kind of wanting to fix the problem. So guess what? You know what, Jerry? Let me tell you something. You're the problem, Jerry. You know why we're in this mess? Because, Jerry, it's all you, man. I mean, look at you. You're the problem, don't you see? And I just try to fix things and blame everybody else and make excuses when really what I need to be doing and what I should have been doing all along is just fall. God, I'm sorry. Father, please forgive me. Thanks, God. I'm sorry. You see, when you get in a pinch... Think with me for just a moment what Jesus did in that pinch. He washed their feet. This is our example. When it's hardest to love, humble yourself. When it's personal and painful, humble yourself. Number three. The third thing I see here in this passage is what I'm going to describe. And I use this a lot when I talk. Hey, guys. Hey, hey church. Let's, let's get the big picture. So so number three is this, get the big picture, humble yourself. What is the big picture in this story? Well, this is my favorite verse in the text. My favorite one. I think it'll be yours too when you finally get it. Look at verse three with me for just a moment. This This is amazing. And this is hard. But verse number three says, Jesus knowing. He knew something. You see, the tense here in the original language is this. Because he knew. He knew something. What did he know? Well, he knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. And he knew that he had come from God and was going back to God. I think there's two separate things here that he knew. Two separate lessons here in this amazing text as we try to see the big picture of this washing the disciples' feet. The first thing would have been this, that he he knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. That is God's sovereignty. That is God's word. That is the promises of God. Let's call this authority. If I know, listen church, if I know how something will end, I have authority in my difficulty. 
I mean, if I know how something is going to end, I can humble myself because I know God has made me some promises. But the second thing is knowing that he had come from God and was going back to God. You see, Jesus knew that in the other side of the tomb that he would be exalted to the right hand of God and that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He knew that. And because he knew that, because he knew who he had come from, that is his identity. I want to talk to you about these two things. Because if you're going through a difficult situation right now, and by the way, our nation is going through a difficult situation. This applies to any situation in life, understanding authority and identity. God's word says in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord, he will exalt you. 1 Peter 5.8, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you. So don't fight, don't flee, don't flounder, and don't fix. Just fall, and fall as fast as you can. Three ways to hang on to this authority. Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Number one, realize this. You will win. Amen. When you get it, you'll really say amen. From the depths of your heart, you'll say amen. Trust me. You will win. You say, well, pastor, how, 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 how's, that, how's that really? I mean, I, it just seems like so many things go on. And we, we, it even looks like the big picture right now is that we, we're not winning and Christians aren't treated properly. And it looks as if we're, we're, we're having to really take steps back and, and we're losing our religious... Li- I get it. I understand your feelings. But I'm just going to tell you on the authority of God's word, you will win. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17 says that no weapon is fashioned against you that shall succeed. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Amen. You know, back in the day when I used to listen to a little more southern gospel, uh, there was a group called the Cathedrals. And we used to have a guy in named Roger Bennett. He's been here twice. He passed away of cancer uh, not long ago after the last time he came here. And I know that Southern Gospel doesn't have as popularity that it had amongst the younger crowd as it does, uh, as it did back then. But can I tell you, there was an old song that Roger used to sing. He wrote it. I read the back of the book and we win. No more living in darkness, we'll be living with him again. <laughs> Ain't no reason to worry about it if you're born again. I read the back of the book and we win. Amen. You say, that's kind of corny. Well, it was corny then. We just didn't know it. We thought it was great. I got every, young, every millennial in here saying, oh, Lord have mercy. Get the worship team up here. But the truth is, we win. I, I'm afraid we put way too much stock in elections. I'm afraid we determine our, how we feel about God based on who wins in the White House. Listen to me, church. We will win. And God's people need to understand that. Number two, you will exalt. You will exalt. The definition of exalt, right out of the dictionary. Here it is. You ready? To show or feel a lively or triumphant joy to be highly exalted or jubilant. 
How cool is that definition? That's just a good definition. Can, can I tell you, I think it goes a step further. Not only will you win, but I think it says here that you'll do a victory dance. I know I just said that in a Baptist church. But this is gospel like 2.0. We're actually a little bit okay with certain kinds of dancing. Okay? Certain kinds. Not all dancing. But we're for this kind of dancing. You will exalt. Hey, can I give you a verse? Romans chapter 16 and verse number 20. The God of peace will soon, soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. Not only will you win, but you'll do a victory dance on Satan's head. I love that. That sounds good to me. This is your authority. These are passages coming straight out of the book on your lap right now. You will win. You will exalt. Number, number three, you will wait. Or you can wait. I say that because we don't like to wait, right? That's the problem. We, we don't want to wait. We want it right now. Why do we have to wait? And yet, God's timing is what we're, we're trusting in. God knows when the time is that he should return or that you and I should, should have some, some peace uh, uh, regarding certain issues. We trust him in the midst of those storms. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one of us will receive commendation from God at that point. But until then, you can wait. I can wait. At this point, just again, speaking a little bit into the days and times we're living, I can wait. Whoever's president, God's got this. You can win. You will exalt. And you can wait. Hey, Jesus, how in the world did you wash the disciples' feet? Could you answer this question for me, Jesus? How in the world could you wash the disciples' feet in the midst of this situation? And Jesus says, well... Number one, my father had given all things into my hands. I, I knew what God had promised. Oh. You see, when you know the promises of God, when you know God's word, when you believe that, you've got authority. Number two, let's look at this identity category. Three things to hang on to when it comes to this thought of, of, of coming from God and going back to God. You know, a lot of us, we struggle with our identity. And we find ourselves oftentimes in a disappointing place. Disappointed with ourselves, those around us, discouraged. Did you hear Jeremy? Can you imagine in that testimony how, how it must have been? You know, it broke my heart in the middle of that. I'm sure, Jillian, it breaks yours every time you hear it a little bit. You're like, he gets... His mom ships him to Arkansas to his dad. His dad then says, I can't handle it. Go to your sister. His sister says, I don't know. Go to your... I mean, I'm thinking, but this happens all all the time in Hot Springs. You know that, right? That's why I thank God for you foster parents. Hallelujah. Every time you hear an announcement about foster, you listen and you pray and you participate because that's... We desperately need to do something to curb that. But Jeremy's spoken to that, but then did you hear what happened when his friend or uh who was it in the back seat with you uncle uncle sometimes it's hard to hear back here because uh, we don't have a monitor but when his uncle you know reached for that gideon bible and then did you hear jeremy went from kind of stoic and telling and all of a sudden he's like whoa 
I mean, it's like, whoa, what's happened to Jeremy? Why is he all of a sudden all excited? I'll tell you why. Because he knows, number one, he was accepted. He was, well, actually, that's number two. <laughs> you guys okay up there? <laughs> Julie's like, oh, pastor. <laughs> Let me go back and do number one. Jeremy knew he was loved. Loved by God. Undeserving, yes, but loved by God. In fact, all these verses will come from Romans chapter 8. Because this, I think, gives us more about our identity than any other chapter in the Word of God. Romans 8, verse 35 says this, 31 says this. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because we are loved by God. That's our identity. Number two. Number two, we're accepted. You are accepted. You are accepted into this church. You say, well, you don't know my past. You're accepted. You don't know what I've done. You're accepted. You don't know the things I'm going through. You're accepted. I don't have much to offer this church. You're accepted. (laughs) And that's not for you to decide either. Wait till you find out how God has uniquely created you to do great things for him. It's going to blow your mind. You are accepted. Romans chapter 8, verse number 38 Scripture says, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor height, nor death, nor anything else. I love this. In all creation is able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are accepted. Man, I love this because I remind my, my wife and I, we talk about this a lot because, because I have a special needs daughter. And... Do you know what I, I, I have a great special relationship with her? She follows me around the house. She always wants to be with me. You can ask anybody. She never wants to leave me. We, we went out. We did something really cool yesterday. We actually went to uh, Shane and Katrina Robertson's house last night to watch the Razorback game with Noah, their son, who has special needs as well. And so I watched the game with Noah and, and Gloria, and it was a blast. And Well, they lost, but... <laughs> It's still a blast because they're so fun. But you know what's interesting about what Glorian's teaching me is? You know why she feels so loved? Because she feels like her daddy accepts her. Even though she can't process it all, she wears the diaper. You're accepted. I'll change your diaper, sweetheart. You're accepted. You're my girl. You're my daughter. Who's the best? She always says, me. Who, who, who does daddy love? Me. I just tell her all the time. In fact, my wife recently has said, would you treat me like Glorianne? I'm like everything but the diaper, okay? Okay. <laughs> Whenever she says that, I'm like, I just can't get that picture in my mind, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> but but can I tell you something? That's all of us. All of us are glory ends before God. We're special needs. We're a mess. And yet God accepts us. He loves us. Don't stretch your stuff before God. All of us. Listen, if you were thinking when Jeremy said, I'm a wretched sinner, if you're thinking, oh, Jeremy, yeah, I don't think that you're a good guy. No, Jeremy's right. <laughs> we are wretched sinners, but Christ has made us a treasure. But it's only Jesus that makes us that way. It's not us. Number three, you're a conqueror. Knowing all these things, Romans eight thirty seven, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all of these things, I think what Jesus is saying to us here today as our example is this. In 
In humility, get the big picture and humble yourself. Jesus, how did you do this? Well, I knew that my father had given all things. And I knew that I was, I'd come from God and I was going back to God. And when you know your authority and you know your identity, it doesn't matter what's happening. Number four, just do it. Remember that old Nike commercial, just do it. Humble yourself. Look with me at John chapter 13. I'll put it on the screen for you. And the highlighted words are the action verbs. You know, the, there's seven action verbs here. These are things that Jesus was doing. By the way, let me just tell you something. Humility is hard work. Amen. Remember, it's not a feel thing. It's not an act thing. It's a do thing. So Jesus gets up. Look what it says. He rose. Number one, first verb. He rose from the supper. Somebody's got to do this. Look at these feet. They're a mess. These are terrible. We got to do something. I mean, somebody's got to do it. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. That is, there's, there's so much there in that one little phrase that has to do with humility as he, in a sense, he presents himself barren. I mean, there's almost a nakedness here as he then takes the towel and he wraps the towel. And much like we would wrap a towel around us and tie a knot, but this towel would be different. It would have a long extension from the towel that he, Jesus would use as he would go around the table. So he would take a towel and tie it around his waist. And then the Bible says, that's four, here's three more. Then he poured water into a basin. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. That's number six. So he pours this water, takes their dirty, rotten, filthy, nasty feet. He puts these feet inside of this basin. He takes the towel. He begins to wash their feet. He goes to the next one. Of course, just like you would do or I would do is the towel was filled with Water and dirt, he would wring it out, I'm sure. And can you imagine all the filth coming out of that towel? And Jesus is right down here in the middle of this mess, wiping their feet with the towel that he was wrapped around him. The humility of this is, is unparalleled, especially knowing what is about to happen to Jesus. But he's just doing it. He's getting busy doing it. That's why I'm not going to let, can I say this humbly and respectfully? Oh, I want to make sure I say this humbly if I can. I know that that's not humility saying it, but I'm not going to let this pandemic stop me from loving people. And by the way, as soon as this thing's over, would you please give me a hug as quickly as you can? Please? I really believe that we are using, if we're not careful, masks and pandemics to discourage us from actually serving Christ. It's almost as if we're afraid. I really believe God's people need to remember this, that people still need help, and probably more than ever before. There's more depression, discouragement, isolation, quarantine that is bringing people to a place of stress that you and I could never imagine. And I'm all for masks, and I'm, I'm for protect. I get it, I get it. I'm not insensitive to those things, but for just... 30 seconds, I wanted to just say a word for, for this, act, this, this act of humility that Jesus got his hands, his, he got down on his knees, he, he washed their filthy feet, no doubt infected at times. Why? Because 
Humility is hard work. That's why we still go to the retirement center every week. It's a pain. Right, Scott? You got to walk in, sign in, wear a mask or some sort of shield, right? And it's not easy, is it, Scott? It's not. It's a little bit. I mean, you got to stand 20 feet away, preach with the mask on. It's crazy. You say, why do you go? I love those people. Who else is going to go? Oh, just wait till it's over. Wait another year? Two years? Most of them will die by then. Are you with me? Do you see this thing is people still need Jesus in a pandemic? Anyway, I'm sorry. And I know it's on live stream, so please don't get mad at me in your living room right now. I'm just passionate about helping people. And I, I want to do it in a humble way, but I know sometimes God allows me to say things that maybe will apply or help somebody understand a little bit about what we as gospel light are trying to practice as best as we can. Can I give you four humble moves? Just actually things you can do? Because you might be saying this, just do it. Do what? Well, what about this? Ask for help. Ask for help. You know, so many people just, they carry this shame and, and this sin and they just continue to deal with it themselves when all it would take is just make a humble move. Hey, I got a problem. Could, could you help me? Number two, you could apologize first. Every Christian should get really good at this. Just apologizing first. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No excuses. You could kneel to God in humble prayer. Just God, I'm, I'm, I'm finished making excuses. I'm not going to put this off anymore. Fourth, you could admit you have a problem, which is the first step to breaking any addiction. It is admitting you have a problem. That's what I've been told. I mean, you've got an alcohol problem. You've got, uh, maybe you've got some addiction to sexual sins. Or, or maybe there is an issue with overspending. And, and you've got a problem. Listen, just admit it. That's a humble move. To say, I've got a problem. That's why we love that part of the Lord's Supper, right? I mean, I've heard more feedback from, hey, pastor, you think we could do that again where we like confess our sins to one another? I mean, like the part where we actually told everybody we got problems? Yeah, that part. That was awesome. Everybody liked that. It was hard. It's uncomfortable. But how do you feel when you realize that people do love you and they want to pray for you and know how they can pray for you and help you in that sin? Amen. It's healing, Scripture says. God's grace flows to humility. God's grace does not flow to pride. God's grace flows to humility. Last one until next week. Let's read these together on the screen. John chapter 6, real quickly, verse number 6, John 13, 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, I tried to get the tone right here. I've, really, I've been practicing all morning. Are you ready? I'm going to try to get it right. I wasn't there. But here's old Pete. Peter is a piece of work. How many of you are a piece of work? I am. I'm a piece of work. Trust me. Ask my wife. I'm a piece of work. Lord, do you wash my feet? I can just see it now. Peter's like, what's up with this? Lord, you, what are you doing? Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answers, 
what I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. I told the morning service, and I'll tell you, go ahead and read through the rest of the passage and see if you can figure out when Peter would understand. And then come back to church next week, and you, you'll have a little insight into next week's message. It's, it's really cool. Just, just a little hint to next Sunday. So back to the passage. Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. Nope. Ain't happening. Uh-uh. No way. Nada. Not going to happen, Jesus. You're not washing my feet. Can you see it? I mean, Peter was, he was aggressive, he was extreme, he was compulsive, he was prone to emotional outburst. Just read about Peter in the book of Acts. Dude had issues. Paul had to confront him to his face one time, and he, he, I mean, it was a bad deal. Peter was a piece of work. You're not washing my feet. Jesus answers, if I do not wash, you have no share with me. Simon Peter says, Lord, not not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Okay, listen, is he a little prone to extremes here? You know, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. Can I have a bath? I mean, this is crazy. Listen, number five, don't debate. Just humble yourself. Don't debate. If you're going to humble yourself, somebody is going to bring it or you or the situation into debate. They're going to want to debate you about this situation. And listen, in a culture addicted with pride, you should expect some blowback if you choose to humble yourself. This culture is so filled with pride. We see it every day. It doesn't matter what news outlet you watch, filled with pride. It doesn't matter oftentimes what conversation you're in. There's a debate. There's an argument. And I encourage you to follow Jesus' example, to humble yourself. Let's just just decide we're going to make a visit, give a gift, write a note, loosen our grip on the situation, not get so quick to defend our position and our party platform and I'm right and you're wrong and just all this fighting that goes on when I'm going to go back just for a moment to the authority issue, you you will win. Just be patient. Be humble in the meantime. Amen. We've got a world to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't debate. Humble yourself. Next Sunday, I'll I'll do the remaining four. But I believe God is at work this morning. I do. I know God is at work in my life. There's no question in my mind that I have been under conviction in the last few weeks building up to this message. Seriously. Even this morning, I had to get on my face and say, God, I need you to show me specifically an area that I need to humble myself. And did you know? Immediately, God showed me an area. So I'm serious. Once I bowed before God and said, God, show me right now in my mind's eye an area that I'm arrogant and I need to just humble myself. And God said, boom. I mean, it came that quick. 
I'm asking everyone here this morning to take the last couple of minutes right now before we have an invitation and conclude the service right now. Identify an area in your life where pride has become an issue. An area where you could say, you know what? I'm going to replace stubbornness with humility. I'm going to replace pride with humility. I'm going to replace hurt with humility. Because I'm going to tell you something. The situation you're in is only going to get worse with pride. You think it's bad now? You think it's bad now? Just just keep pouring pride. It's going to get worse. Grace flows to humility. Humble yourself. Just in closing, three acts of humbling ourselves. Three ways to respond. Maybe a phone call. What about just a phone call? Maybe before you get in your car, just on the way out, hey, uh, dad, hey, mom, hey, son, daughter, friend, hey, uh, let's get out of church. Uh, just, I'm sorry. What, 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 what's this all about? I don't worry about it. Just, I, I want to tell you I'm sorry. Maybe, secondly, what about a visit? Maybe just go see somebody face to face. Just say, look, man, I, I got to talk with you and just let you know that, man, I'm, I, I want to just say I'm sorry. I, I want to get this clear, clean. I want to get it out of my life. I'm, I don't want it to get worse. And I find myself getting bitter. I don't want that to happen. I just need to say I'm sorry. I'm ready to move on from this. And let's, 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 let's serve God till we are with him forever. Maybe get along with God. Just bow in prayer at the altar or somewhere in your home because with the Lord with the Lord the way up is is down that's that's God's way so this morning I ask you to in a very specific way ask God to show you how you can humble yourself let's bow our heads in prayer shall we with our heads bowed and our eyes closed I'm just going to pray and we're going to give this invitation and ask God to work and move and speak and help each one of us. We're almost done. But you know what? I would like to think that this could be the most important part of a service where we begin right now to pray for God to shine the light on an area that we need to humble ourselves. Father, I love you. I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Father, I pray that right now as I bring before you this situation that Lord I need you to help me with Lord other situations other hurts other maybe maybe addictions things that Lord we're, we're keeping to ourselves when we need help God help us Lord to reach out and to realize that we have a church filled with people who I believe will love and accept and pray and encourage Father, help us all to humble ourselves today before you. Thank you, God. I love you, and I ask you to bless this time together. We bring our broken pieces to you. God, put us back together. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand together?